You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York Brian. Scott. Whose seat is hotter, Brian? <laughs> Dave Gettleman or ours? <laughs> I think we're on the hottest seat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you ask John Mara, I think he would agree with that, that assessment. I think he would tell you that you and I are in a hotter seat with our podcast than, than Dave Gettleman is as GM of the New York Giants. And yet, I would argue that despite us having maybe one listener in one Adam James McCullough, we, we, we are still in a seat that is far less hot than Dave Gettleman's should be. Right. You think So you think our results are superior <laughs> to Dave Gettleman's? Well, let's see. The Giants are 15 and 33 since Dave Gettleman was hired as GM. Okay. So 15 of 33. Would you say that 15 out of every 33 of our podcasts are at least like fine? Right. That's, you know, it's an interesting, I don't know what the metrics, you know, we never set any goals, which is (laughs) probably a problem. Probably why we only have one listener. (laughs) So I don't know, you know, how to evaluate our success or failure. Right, right. Um, Whereas the metrics for Dave Gettleman are much easier. Although, you know, he's done a good job, Dave Gettleman, of defining them, and the Giants have, so vaguely, their own goals that... right. What would otherwise seem a clear failure, like a wins and loss record, um, they've managed to, to convince themselves is actually, it has been a great success. <laughs> right. Well, here's what, here's a metric that we can use that I feel like we are vastly superior in, is that I feel like our podcast has never enraged anyone. True. I don't think anyone's ever listened to us and been enraged. Right. <laughs> you know, maybe bored, maybe right. nonplussed. Right. But never confused. Yeah, right. Never capable of like strangling another human being as a result of right. anything we said. But Dave Gettleman has brought me to that point, I you know, numerous times. Right. That's true. I feel like um it's interesting because, you know, I think I said when I first couple of weeks ago was kind of giving you the optimist take of the Giants and trying to be excited about them. And I was saying, like, you can feel it that the Giants feel they've reached some kind of inflection point, you know. And hearing from Gettleman today and Mara today, like, they still were exuding that, that they expect this to be this sort of turning point season in which the fruits of the rebuild start to reveal themselves. And that kind of feeling of, of good feelings did kind of come up against the reality of actually seeing the Giants <laughs> in person on Saturday night, right? Like, yeah, they showed up. And, you know, look, nobody played. I'm not reading too much into it. But it did not feel like the dawn of a new era of Giants football Saturday night at MetLife Stadium (laughs) against the Jets, right? No, right. I didn't feel 
I didn't feel like, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Here we go. Right. Yeah, that wasn't my takeaway. I feel like I, I noticed a lot of things. Uh, you know, and and you kind of mentioned we don't have anybody or we didn't play anybody. And that's mostly true. But I would say yeah. that the 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 group that did play is also the group that we're most concerned about and they were not impressive which is what the offensive line yeah 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 i mean you know i didn't we you know we i didn't watch enough of the game to really get a sense like my my from what i've heard in the ensuing days you know there were some positives to be gleaned um but they did have zero points for a long stretch of the game. Um, you know, that being said, what was <laughs> the quarterback who played the bulk of the snaps I, I, is now no longer on the team. I don't even couldn't even <laughs> tell you his name. Clayton Thornton the third or what sounded right, like. Who, who cares? He got a concussion. He's done. Right. He sounded like a golfer. That's <laughs> like, so I don't know. And, you know, I have been noticing that a lot of these preseason games haven't been, you know what I mean? They, they've been really low scoring. There've been a lot of games that, that seemingly have followed the same track um, of how the giants jets looked. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm not like trying to draw too much from it, but it was like, it's like, well, from what you heard today from Gettleman and Mara, like if I heard it a month ago, I would have been sort of into it. But the way the camp has gone, the way they like looked the first time we got to actually see them, it's like this thing that we're we're all trying to buy into and that they're selling. It's just God, you're just really getting anxious that it's not there. <laughs> well, actually, what really concerned me the most coming out of today was uh, Mara saying, not only that Gettleman's not on the hot seat, but that there's not even a playoff mandate. Like, if we don't make the playoffs, I don't see how you justify bringing back Gettleman. Like, he just had a big spending summer, a big spending free agency. We're definitely going to be up against it with the cap uh, in the next couple of years. We're going to need somebody who is able to do some gymnastics in order to work around this, assuming, uh, you know, assuming there are certain contingencies like injuries and what have you. And just this idea that, we could spend this kind of money in free agency and have a rookie quarterback coming into his third or I'm sorry, a quarterback on his rookie contract going into his third year. And to say that playoffs are optional. <laughs> like, yeah. What planet are you on? <laughs> I guess I don't mind that, but I, what he's not, he's just not trying to want to box himself in in case like, let's say they have the equivalent of a 10 and six season where, you know, I know it'll be different this year because of the, stupid 17th game but like let's say you go 10 and 7 and that doesn't get it in and doesn't get in this year for whatever which would be unlikely because of the other way the i don't think the nfc east is going to play out that way but like let's say they had that something like that the one the equivalent of a 10 and 6 year where you don't make the playoffs but he said before the year playoffs or everybody gets fired i think that's like he's just not going to put himself in that position where now he's got to say like oh i you know, oh, well, you said we had to make the playoffs or else they're going to fire everybody. Um, like, I think he 
wants to be he's just trying to give as much flexibility to like he wants to keep guys i mean that's clear right but i mean that's incorrect <laughs> like, <laughs> like i mean if we don't make the playoffs and we don't get to keep everybody and, and i'll let me be clear too i want him to keep some people i would love to keep judge but if we don't make the playoffs this year and they trot out dave gettleman and jason garrett again next year then I mean, just any optimistic word anybody has to say, it's going to, I'm going to scream in their face. Yeah. 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 I mean, right. It's like, I mean, I would say for me, like it's winning record or Gettleman's out. Um, what that actually means. I mean, I don't know like how they, view, you know, again, I've, I thought, I thought they might get rid of Gettleman this off season and find a way to kind of like, I think no matter how they get rid of him, I'd be very surprised if it's like firing and not some sort of like face saving, you know? No, I agree with you. And I think that's exactly what the problem is, is that they are trying to, it's like, it's almost like we have to hold on. And I think the same rules apply to Jason Garrett that they have to hold. We have to hold on to them until they can end their time here in a graceful way. But what if their being here is what's preventing them from ending things in a graceful way? Right. <laughs> like with Gettleman, I also don't get it. Like, do we need Dave Gettleman's special insights to, to make any of the moves that were made this year? Sign Kenny Galladay. Oh, there was, that was a brilliant maneuver. Let's just like, you know, yeah. You signed the best guy you were able to sign at a position. You kind of needed somebody. They drafted Kadarius Tony, which seems like an odd thing where they passed on Justin Fields, which seems like a total disaster. Like, do we need Dave Gettleman to be doing these things? I really don't think we do. Like, I genuinely do not. Yeah. No, I hear you. Like, the Giants of the last, whatever, eight years, it's been like they've been stuck in this mode of trying so hard to not, like, radically transform. And maybe it's like they just have to bite the bullet. It's like Afghanistan. They got to just pull out. <laughs> that's I yes, that's a great point. Full withdrawal of the Gettleman era, you know? It's that's not, a we great can't, point. Um it's it's all or nothing. Right. Will it be ugly? Yes. Will it be devastating? Yes. <laughs> Will anyone be happy with it? Not really. Is it necessary? Nothing has ever been more necessary in in, in, in human history. Right, right. Like I just can't I, I just don't understand it. Right. I think that the Maras are somehow on the, or John Mara is somehow on this mission to prove that, that the Giants can run the team like, or that they can run the team like they, like it always has been. And that is a tried and true way that will never uh, go out of style. And I think I've said it on this podcast before. I would love for John Mara to be my boss, but I really hate that he's the owner of my favorite sports team. (laughs) Right. I mean, the both get Gettleman, he is terrible. Like I, I just what I can't stand either is this notion that the book is still out on Gettleman that we just we don't quite know yet. Like we know he stinks. Well, look, this is the team that he's put the team together. If this team is good this year, then he doesn't stink, right? I mean, I do think like he he inherited a mess. He has gone about the process of fixing that mess and we're gonna see if he's done anything worthwhile or like you know i mean look they might go out there this year and be a good team like 
I think there's a story you can tell yourself where the Giants are a good team this year. And then you'd have to say, like, okay, he didn't do it. He inherited an absolute disaster. And in three or four years, he put a winning team on the field. In the story that you're telling yourself in, in your head to make that a reality, is Jason, how many games is Jason Garrett the offensive coordinator in that I, I Look, reality? I'm just accepting. I don't see how you can, like, like, you can't like Joe Judge and think Jason Garrett needs to be, like, hanged in effigy, you know? Like, you have to trust that Jason Garrett is at least not a catastrophe. Otherwise, no. like, what is he doing? How can you have any confidence that the head coach has any clue what he's doing? Because I think that that somebody above the head coach has imposed Jason Garrett on him. <laughs> no, but and he's just like, he doesn't say anything about it. He's just like, okay, my offensive coordinator. You think John Mara is so wedded to Jason Garrett that he's like, you're fired. If you try to fire him, you're out. I do. I, no I, way. Okay. No way John Mara goes up into Joe Judge's office and is like, what's this? I hear you're thinking about making uh, Shaplinsky call the plays. Like, not over my dead body. Like, there's no way. No, I don't think it's that. I think <laughs> I, I think it's it's more like, here's how I picture it. You know, Judge comes in and he goes, listen, Mr. Mara, we have to. Jason is just not getting it done. I can't. I don't understand why he thinks that. Trips right, everyone run a curl is a different play than trips left, everyone everyone run a curl. I don't know why he thinks those are different plays, and he stinks, and we got to get rid of him. And I think that John Mara says, Joe, I hear you. I get it. I know, you know, look, working as a team can be tough sometimes, but we're a team. You know, and every member of the team is just important as any other member of the team, and Jason is on our team, and he has been for a long time. He was a giant, you know. And, uh, look, you know, life presents us with situations where sometimes we have to, uh, work with some people that maybe we don't, we don't always see ourselves working with, but then we learn and we grow and, and, and we come into that relationship. And I know you and Jason will find that. That's what I think happens. There's no way if he wanted to fire him, he would be gone. No, I think that there, like he knows it, it might not have been put to him explicitly, but he knows that if he wants Jason Garrett to go, there has to be an incident, like almost a Mark Colombo-esque thing or some sort of completely egregious thing. Like, uh, you know, Judge tells him to, to run it on fourth down and he throws a pass. Something egregious has to happen for them to give him the okay. I don't know. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think he's the offensive coordinator at this point because Joe Judge wants him to be. So what do you think Joe Judge sees in him? Joe Judge sits down and he's like, Jason Garrett brings X to the table. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> you know, experience, right? A long history of as a successful head coach in the NFL and probably like probably easy to work with um, as a guy, I would guess. like. He, you know, here's a guy as a 10-year head coach who has, like, sublimated himself, if, if that's the word I'm looking for, um, to the job of an offensive coordinator. So no ego, maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't. I mean, he wouldn't be my offensive coordinator, but he's, Joe Judge is, he's in bed with him. I mean, he's a coordinator because there's no choice to be. 
No one wants him to be their head coach. He's not like turning things down. <laughs> he got interviews. Yeah, he got an interview with the Chargers. Right. We were we were like, man, I hope we don't lose Jason Garrett. I bet the Chargers were like, don't worry. You guys are good. <laughs> Relax. Look, I, I don't think he's good at I don't I'm not happy that he's the coordinator. But I, I don't know. I'm just like for me, it feels like there's a universe where the Giants have a functioning offense, even though Jason Garrett is the coordinator. I don't know. That feels more and more unlikely. So did you, re- I texted you last night. Did you read that Greg Cosell piece that I sent you? Yes. So my takeaways are this. Daniel Jones needs to get better at throwing in a messy pocket. So how do you get better at throwing in a messy pocket? Like, you know, beyond like doing better quarterback things, right? You need open receivers. How do receivers get open? It's a little on them. It's a little on the offense to get receivers open. Like, I don't know that Jason Garrett can do that. I don't know that he's going to be a guy who schemes guys open. And and I, I, I'm also worried about how, you know, if your offensive line is bad, if you have a bad offensive line, and we may have a bad offensive line, it may be fine, it may be okay, but it also may be really bad. How do you overcome a bad offensive line? Again, you need good coaching, good scheme. Like, honestly, the Patriots went to a Super Bowl or at least a conference championship game with Marshall Newhouse starting on their offensive line. And I know how terrible Marshall Newhouse is because he started for us for a, a time, and he was awful. And... I just think that anything where you look at the Giants where, like, this is something that might go wrong, what you need to get out of that is a good offensive play caller and or a great quarterback. And it also worries me that in such a big year for Daniel Jones, look, he, I still, I don't think he, I think he is good or he could be good. But I don't think he's talented enough to overcome a bad line and a bad offensive coordinator. And I am very worried that we have both. I agree. I'm worried about both those things, too. I guess I just don't think that, like, Jason Garrett is so inept that he's the difference between a good year and a bad year just by himself. Like, I think he's the difference between, you know, we might lose some games because of him. It reduces the ceiling. Like, I wouldn't be excited about him calling plays in a playoff game or I just don't know that he's like so bad that like oh you could go 10 and 7 but you're gonna go 7 and 10 because he's such a garbage play caller okay so let's follow that then through so Then does that mean like, so what is then the criteria for either success or failure for Jason Garrett? Cause I guess my, what I'm, where I'm coming from with that question is my big worry is, is that we'll just continue to be like low, lo- lower mediocre, the lower tier of mediocre teams that that's just where we are to stay because John Mara won't fire Dave Gettleman or Jason Garrett for being for doing a slightly below average job. Quite possible. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> right, but I'm saying even the possibility of that should cause you to say we got to change. Right. I mean, look, again, I think there's very good evidence. Like, I, if this season is unsuccessful, the Giants will have to make dramatic change. I'm just saying if they're good this year, there is the possibility that you can look and go, okay, hey, this guy took over a franchise that was in disarray, that had been a disaster in the draft for like five, six years had an aging quarterback and now has been totally remade. And if they're good this year, like you can, you know, hire the right coach, blah, blah, blah. Away we go. The Giants way is back. (laughs) I feel like another thing that you're glossing over right now is that we actually have to watch this season. Right. Like, because it feels more likely. So, I don't know. Let us let me take a look right now. Wait a minute. Hold on. I just looked at my phone. Oh, I see. Okay. I, I, I saw something about uh, Saquon Barkley on my phone like as an alert. And I was like, oh, my God. Did we lose Saquon again? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see. So, right now, what is the over-under for the Giants? As of today, that's what I want to know. So let me see if I can find that real quick. Uh, let me see. Win totals. New York Giants. Seven wins. Under is plus 110. Over seven wins is minus 130. So Vegas, or at least FanDuel, Feels like the Giants will win eight games. That surprises me. I got to be honest with you. I don't think we're that good. I would have guessed. I was going to guess seven and a half before you. Uh... That's fine. I we should have done that. I would have guessed six and a half, honestly. So it is seven. Okay. Yeah. Um. I just feel like I don't trust the offensive line at all. And this feels too much like the problems we've had in the past where it's like, oh, we have this shiny new object and we have this fancy car and we have this cool TV and we have this sunroof, but no doors or windows. <laughs> no, en- like, no engine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not that, like, so I, I don't like, I, I, I just don't see how it's all smoke and mirrors. Like just this belief that maybe Gettleman did get it right this off season. I think it's safer to say, Maybe did maybe Gettleman did bring in a collection of decent football players, but are we a good team? I, it doesn't feel like it. I mean, look, the offensive line is scary, but it does have some like you know, uh, the left tackle was the number four pick in the draft last year. Like, you know, he had an uneven rookie year, but like by the end of the year, by most accounts, he played a lot better, right? So, like, who's to, why is it not okay? I mean, I can understand being excited about what he might do this year. I think the center is a good player. Um, I think the guard situation is definitely um, shaky, and it's like. Uh, you know, you're not getting great sense of what, you know, I mean, they were talking up Will Hernandez today. 
I hope that's right. I hope he's okay. Um, I don't think you need those guys to be like elite players, right? I mean, you just need them no. to be okay. Um, you know, I, I do think not having Kevin Zeitler on the team is w- really weird. And, um, you know, why they didn't prioritize that, I don't, I don't totally understand. Um, but, you know... Uh, we'll see (laughs) we'll see all right switching gears a little bit can i tell you who i think this is a pivotal year for it is a pivotal year for o'shane jimenez and i'll tell you why the x yes the x factor here's where i think it's just a big year for him because o'shane jimenez has benefited from uh, Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakita derangement syndrome. (laughs) This idea that there's a player that I haven't seen a lot of, so he must be secretly awesome. (laughs) And I don't know why we do that so often, but he's just a guy. He He is the Giants' Kevin Knox. He is a guy where I don't understand why there are so many fans that seem to believe he is the answer just sitting on our bench. The answer to all our pass rushing woes is on the team already. He's sitting on the bench. We've got him locked in place. And for whatever reason, a coaching staff that gets paid millions of dollars that could get fired at any moment is still refusing to use this resource <laughs> that would solve all our problems. Yeah, I mean, I don't have big, particularly big hopes for for. You know, I'd, it'd be nice if, like, between him and Lorenzo Carter, one of those guys was good this year. Like, that'd be nice. That would be nice. <laughs> but that doesn't seem crazy to imagine that one of them might have a better year than you're expecting, right? And then you've got, uh, you know, the 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 kid out of Georgia. Yeah, I, who I think is another one. Who I think is like, and, and again, I think he could have a good year. I think he could be a pretty good player, or a decent player, or whatever. But I, I could just already kind of see it happening on Giants Twitter, where it's like we got him in the second round, and you know he's perceived as a possible steal as a second rounder because he could have been a first rounder, but there were some things or or whatever, and so all the, like that information has just led people to believe Pro Bowl, Rookie of the Year, Pro Bowl, and you're just like. <laughs> Right, or drafted in the second round for a reason and is still a second rounder and a fine player, but not an instant all-pro in the defense. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't see him as... um, I don't know. I feel like O'Shane is like, he was hurt last year, you know? He He missed the season. I don't think anybody has like huge hopes for him. Is anybody who's on that bandwagon of the Imanez? I don't like when he we drafted him. There was like this weird, you know, uh, he's a, a promise, intriguing player. I don't know. Is like just because what he went to like the same college as OC or something? Is that? <laughs> um, maybe he didn't even. He just yeah, he went to Old like, Dominion. Hit story. Yeah, similar story or something. Um. I don't know. Of those he three stinks. guys, they just need one of them to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's 
That's fair. But I mean, somebody, somebody, uh, well, somebody on that D line's got to put up double digit sacks. I'm not even saying that they're going to be horrible or that I have no faith in them whatsoever. But it's just like, I don't want to hear, like, we still have our pass rush is an issue off the edge. And I, I don't like, if somebody brings that up, the answer to that point is not, but we have O'Shea and Jimenez. Yeah, I mean, he's not the answer to anything. Um... <laughs> right, that's all I mean. It's just like, I just, it's like, it's not that he can't do something positive or they can't be a fine player for us, but just this idea of like, that, you know, he's the answer. He's not the answer. Yeah, no, right. I, I wouldn't put any eggs in the Jimenez basket. <laughs> <laughs> I just, right now, I, you know, the fans won't be able to see us, but we could see one another right now as we speak. And when I'm looking at you, I just feel like I'm causing you physical discomfort by <laughs> stating my opinions on the Giants. And I feel like I, I'm, I'm sort of feeling like, you sort of know that I'm speaking the truth, but you don't like that truth. So you're like trying to figure out a way to be like, well, but, you know, because I feel like you have a very sad look on your face as I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I definitely think you could be right. I, I, you know, I'm just trying to allow myself the space for that this, that the Giants are on the verge of turning this around and. I can see it, you know, like I, I feel like the defense has a lot of pieces that I really like, like, um, and I'm excited to see the offense. Like the Garrett stuff really stinks. Cause it is like, it would just be so cool if they had a, like a cool offensive coordinator who was doing cool stuff. It would make, I, th- I think you'd be, we'd probably, it would make a huge difference how everybody felt like I am really hopeful for Saquon coming back. Like, I think it's, you know, again, I, we've mentioned it before, but not enough people are talking about it. Like, it, I do think this is such a huge year for that guy. Like, um, he has to be a huge factor. Um, so, and it sucks. It's just in this, hor- we're in this brutal position where it's just like, it is sink or swim. I mean, the Giants drown this year or they emerge from, you know, they come up for air or they fall, they sink to the bottom of the pool, you know, like. No, but I see that's, I guess that's where we fundamentally disagree. I don't see that as unfortunate. I see it as fortunate. Right. I see it, 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 it like that's what it has to be. Yeah, yeah. If we trot out Gettleman, if we go like, say we do win seven exactly, say we push on the over under. Yeah, yeah. Seven and, and we're seven and ten. And John Mara comes out and says, I see progress and we're running it back again. I will freak out. No, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. If this is, I, I would even say, if it's like eight and nine, but the offense is ugly. Like there's, I don't think there's any universe where the offense can stink this year. Be like bottom of the league. Let's say that we have a top ten defense again, and we go eight and nine because of that, and the offense is lousy. The, like there have to be major changes. Like. The, I, I would just say, even as a, on the team level, like to me, this year is about the offense. Like if the Giants, yes. like if the offensive line is a disaster and Daniel Jones is bad and Saquon Barkley is not a difference maker, then like under no circumstances can the G's of Gettleman and Garrett return and probably not Daniel Jones either. 
But Brian, I don't feel like you're considering that some of the members of the Cherry Hill Country Club will not be pleased with Jason Garrett no longer being on the pickleball courts there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. Think about the people, Brian. Oh, it'll be so sad. Like, God almighty. You just need to be, like, pretty good on offense. Speaking of Daniel Jones, where are you on the fumbling? I still don't care. I don't care about the fumbling. I'm not going to be thinking about the fumbling. I'm not worried about the fumbling. I'm not spending any time thinking about fumbling. (laughs) If he fumbles, he fumbles. (laughs) May I psychoanalyze you for a moment, Brian? I think you and I both are pretty open to admitting our mistakes on this podcast. We will, if we're, if we are wrong about an opinion or a take we've had, we'll revisit it and uh, we'll, we'll, you know, acknowledge that. And I feel like for both of us, that's been a lot easier to do when our incorrect opinions lead to ultimate success for the team. So like for me, I was dead wrong about RJ Barrett and the free throws. He fixed it. That's not an issue. And I'm happy, but I can admit that easily be freely because it helps the Knicks be better. And so it's like, yeah, I wanted to be able to admit that. Right. And I feel like same way for you with like the Derrick Rose signing, you thought that was going to be a disaster, but it was actually great for the Knicks. So you admitted that that you were wrong about that because again, like it, it worked out for you that being wrong about it. Cause ultimately you were, you cared more about the Knicks being good than that take being correct. But with Daniel Jones's fumbling, it's harder <laughs> because if you're wrong about the fumbling, it's actually really bad for the giants. There's really no win. There's no win situation there. He basically, he's not allowed to fumble in the first four weeks of the season. And I think that's fair. That's not fair. That's fair. He could fumble on the first play of the season. I don't care about the fumbling. I care about touchdowns. I care about yards. Like, I want Daniel Jones to be productive. If he fumbles, if he's prone to fumbling, that is a problem. It's not great. It's not going to be the, the thing that ends his career. Like, the problem with Daniel Jones last year is he had nine touchdowns. It wasn't because he had too many fumbles. Right. But how do we know he's not scoring touchdowns because he's fumbling too much? <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it's good or that – I mean, I, I, I guess it's like it could be the thing that keeps him from being like – I think if we end up having to worry about his fumbling, that's we're in a good – he's playing much better and like it's a, become a good problem to have. So in other words, we have so many problems with the offense that the fact that the quarterback fumbles constantly is beside the point. Yes, I don't. I just don't think it's going to be like a crippling <laughs> issue. Like he needs to throw more touchdowns. He needs to throw like his yards per. Like I'm just worried about the things that you normally are worried about with a quarterback. And I think the fumbling thing is still a little bit fluky and a product of playing for a bad offensive line and ultimately probably correctable. Um, and you know, not the thing that I'm not worried about. I'm worried about, like, is he productive? Is he, what is yards per attempt, touchdowns, like all those completion percentage. And hey, look, his rookie year had 18 fumbles last year, only a mere 11 fumbles. So 
that's progress. If he if he did that again, it'd be four fumbles. <laughs> All right, so the magic number is four. I'm gonna write that down so that we can monitor when the fourth fumble of the year comes. Um, Maybe it'll be the third game or something. Or <laughs> we do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was listening to Jordan Renan uh, last night, and he did say something interesting. Where like, you know what last year Daniel Jones was missing that I feel like is particularly the fault of Jason Garrett. His best games as a rookie, and obviously Tampa stands out, which is weird because it was his first game. He didn't play a perfect game, but you know he was playing to win. You know he had an aggressiveness to him, and a and a guttiness and a ballsiness that you just was absent last year. Like he was a piece of toast last year. And that's Jason Garrett. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and I don't just don't know how we fix the touchdowns problem when he's unbuttered toast. Garrett's got to slap butter, cream cheese, jam. Just load that toast up, man. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess we're just repeating ourselves or I'm repeating myself and just harping on Garrett constantly, but I just think f- quarterback fumbles are much more a product of the surroundings than the quarterback. And I, I mean, his is definitely, it's he's off to an extreme start, but like, um, you know, quarterbacks that play a lot, like you're gonna, <laughs> you get hit from behind. Like, I'm actually, I pulled it up. I'm looking at the all-time <laughs> fumble leaders. <laughs> Number one, who is the, you want to know who has the most fumbles in NFL history? Give me a first. Give me a. Let me try and guess it. Give me a position. Well, I'll tell you this: they're all the top thirty are all quarterbacks. Wow, the top thirty are quarterbacks. All right, is number one a modern player? Yes. Hall of Famer? Yes. Wow. In fact, Drew Brees. The top ten fumblers of all time. Three of them are Hall of Famers, and two of them are future Hall of Famers. <laughs> all right, so Drew Brees is my guess. Drew Brees is 11th all time with, oh, wow. with so... 112 fumbles. Okay. Brady? Tom Brady is sixth with 126. Wow. All right, who's number one? Brett Favre with 166. Uh, yep. Okay. Number right. two is Warren Moon, 161. Wow. Do they have a Tom Brady fumble? in his first three seasons, his rookie year, 12 fumbles. Second year, 11 fumbles. His third year, 13 fumbles. <laughs> Did they have... He has Do they have a fumbles five, per game stat. Five. Tom Brady has five double-digit fumble seasons. Hmm. Okay. All right. That's good perspective. Right? They're fumblers. Right. That's helpful. <laughs> That's helpful. All right. Fine, Brian. Fine. <laughs> I will excuse the fumbling for now, but I've got my eye on everybody. <laughs> Uh, let me hold on to that ball. It's slippery. (laughs) (laughs) 
let me read a quick ad and then we'll wrap up some Giants thoughts. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent listener supported radio. If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Uh, do you have an ad to read, Brian? Um, I don't. I normally would, but it's not in front of me. <laughs> That's fine. All right. Uh, let's move into just a quick lightning round. The Giants are headed. Uh, are they? Did they, Were they in uh, Ohio today, or are they going tomorrow? No idea. <laughs> well, the Giants are going to Ohio at some point. <laughs> And uh, last night, Art Stapleton, uh, writer for NorthJersey.com, I believe. Uh, but I really like him, Art Stapleton. Good man, salt of the earth. All right. Anyway, he uh, he said, you know, I'll be in Ohio for these joint practices. What do you want me to watch? And I think it was like a detailed practice report, an individual player, or other. And please reply in the comments. So I re- I chose other, and I replied in the comments. All I want to see is Miles Garrett versus any of our offensive linemen all day. That's yeah. all you should look at. Yeah, yeah. That's all that matters. So uh, I don't know. Do you would you have would you have requested anything else of Mr. Stapleton? I agree with you. Like, how are the tackles? Like, that's all I want to know. Are Pert and Thomas, is that a thing? Can we trust that that's good? <laughs> right. Um, really, I agree with you. Andrew Thomas is probably as important a player as the giants have um he needs to be good <laughs> yeah so yeah that's a good one i don't know um i guess uh how our interior d line does against their running game you know might be interesting um because that's a strength of the browns okay oh okay that makes sense it interested me that you said running game just because I do feel like our pass rush is going to have to come from the inside this year. Right. So um, I'd sort of like to see, like, you know, how how they hold up against a a different offensive line. Um, All right. So uh, that's really what I want to get from these joint practices. Also, today we traded Isaac Yadam. I know. For another corner, right? Yeah. A corner for corner swap interesting thing to do right because it's really putting your balls on the table it's just like one of us is gonna there's gonna be a clear winner and a right. clear loser you know one of these guys will have a better year than the other and who's it's gonna be right one of the, it's weird because we think this guy's better and you think that guy's better and you're just right. like let's let's see i don't know if they're different types of corners or they fit each other's schemes better or something is that possible well, I think it had to do with uh, special teams. Okay. Where I do think that that is something I really like about Joe Judge. Like, I think it gets overblown. Like, Joe Judge cares about special teams. Because right. he's, you know, like, okay. But, you know, if, if like, let's say if we could, because our special teams were not good last year. But let, let's say even we could have, like, say, I think optimistically, let's say our offense could be, like, anywhere between the 20th and 23rd best offense in the league. Let's say our defense can be a top 10 defense. If we could also have top 10 specials, then now, now we're making up a lot of ground for a bad offense or for a, like a mediocre at best offense. So 
If Joe Judge wants to tinker to get specialists in there, tinker away, Joseph. Yeah, that's fine by me. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Still though, it's a it's a funny and weird trade that uh, you know Joshua Jackson, not the actor that played Pacey, or that would have been the guy from the affair. A great acquisition, but <laughs> <laughs> right, a versatile, it, versatile star. Also, might have gotten our wives to watch the Giants. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh God, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna have a public just break. I think on the out of the air here. It's got (laughs) 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 talked for 40 minutes about the Giants, 45, and like I don't know. I think you're probably right, Scott. (laughs) No, I feel they suck. I think they're gonna. They suck. <laughs> oh God! You know how I feel about the Giants. I'm starting to feel. I'm gonna. This is. Let's talk about. You. Know, uh, we'll get this out. Let's just get. Let's get real on this show. This is where. We're <laughs> Do it. I feel like my father went to prison for a little while ago, and in the lead up of that. There was people telling you that trying to tell me that he wasn't it wasn't going to be that bad or that it wouldn't be that for that long or it's going to be like a month or who knows, you know, it won't be anything. And then it was really bad. (laughs) And I feel like (laughs) they were all wrong and they were lying to me and I knew it. (laughs) I knew they were lying. and I knew this was a really bad situation and he was in real trouble. And right. I, but I listened and said, you know, like, look, this guy seems to know what he's talking about and maybe it won't be so bad. And I feel like that <laughs> with this Giants team, I think. And I'm trying to do my, talk myself out of it because I don't want to go to jail. I don't want anybody right. to go to jail. And a long, terrible season sometimes feels a little like confinement. Not, I'm not making light of prison. It's not like prison, <laughs> but it does feel like a cage of some kind. Right. Last cage of emotions. Right, we're stuck with this fucking team and these, this. I don't know. Nothing. Just. I don't know. It feels like pending doom. Maybe we're just. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you something, Brian. Those people were lying to you because they themselves couldn't. They couldn't bring themselves to touch the pain. Right. Like they didn't want to see you break down they in front of tell them. Me, so, yeah, they couldn't tell right. me the truth. So, so they couldn't right. square with you because that would be too uncomfortable for them. Right. I, I, Brian, as your true friend, that's why I'm telling you the truth about the Giants. Right. I, I'm telling you, you know, but I, I, I do feel bad about it. It's hard. That's what. That's my point. It's hard to do that because I've been sitting here looking at your face this entire conversation, and I know you've been sitting there holding on to your optimism. <laughs> by a thread just like pathetically almost hanging on to your optimism and every time i say something you get sadder and sadder and sadder and then i finally just broke you right which i sort of feel bad for doing right i broke you so badly you just talked about your dad going to prison on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) which is not my intention but (laughs) oh god but nonetheless, here we are, and I don't feel good about it. I wish it wasn't the case. I certainly don't want to play this role. That said, I do feel like I did just decide 
at the start of the Knicks season that they were going to be good. And I do feel like I willed it to happen. And there is a part of me, I think, that is trying to do the same thing with the Giants. Okay. All right. And I realized that that's Matt. That's an insane. Yeah, no, you I caught mean, lightning I, in a bottle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> can't do that twice. I realized that's just madness. Also, I had nothing to do with anything. But I'm not even saying it like I like this is in the hyperbolic, jokey fashion. I believe it. I actually, there's a real part of me that believes I made last season's next <laughs> through sheer force of will for just yeah. wanting it bad enough. Just belief. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I feel like we, I remember the first show we did when we started talking about the Knicks and you were just like so unhappy. And I just was like, it's going to yeah. be fun. It's going to be good. We got Obi. We got <laughs> Julius going to be better. RJ. No. And look, you were 100% look right and, together. And I was wrong. But let me tell you, let me tell you what the difference is, is that when we talked about that on the pod, you looked me dead in the eye and you were just like, the Knicks are going to be good this year. They are going to be good. Right. No, like I know it like that. It's going to happen. And now you're like, the Giants are going to be good. It's like, you're, you're like, like asking, you're just asking me to say it. Right. <laughs> That's the difference. Right. I don't know. They just say, I want it. I want it. I would like it really badly. I would love yeah. for them to be just okay. I don't need them to be that great. I don't, they don't have to be great. Just, just be competitive. Be interesting. I mean, that's the thing with the Knicks. Yeah. The Knicks weren't great right. per se, but they were interesting. They were fun to watch. I look forward to games. Right. Speaking of the Knicks, let's just get off the Giants. We're going to be talking about the Giants a lot over the next couple of months. We're going to be agonizing about the Giants a lot over the next couple of months. Let's let's just let's spend the last few minutes of our lives talking about the Knicks. Summer League is wrapped up officially. Uh, Brian, take us away. Take us into a happy place, Brian. Lead us. Yeah, there. I mean, yeah, Summer League was glorious, right? Like everything you wanted to see. Big Bride was amazing, you know, quickly. I thought it looked so improved yep. as the playmaker, except, you know, shot wasn't there for whatever reason. And that's a little concerning, because I will say, like, when he's cold, man, he's like, can't put it in the ocean cold. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Obi was really good. This guy Sims looked like, I mean, they're, they're there. I was serious. I texted you and Matt, like, that lineup, IQ, Deuce, Grimes, Obi, and Sims, like... <laughs> If that was the starting five, like, last year, I would have been thrilled. That was, like, a fun yeah. group of guys to watch. I liked everything I saw from all of them. Um, and now that's literally, like, the the bottom five. So, you know, I don't know I don't know how you could watch that Summer League if you're a Knicks fan and not be just over the moon excited. A hundred percent. By the way, one of my favorite things from that text, the, the conversation that followed that text you sent, was Matt going... I love McBride, honestly. Thank you for your honesty, man. We're aware. Right, right. We, we, we know that you like Deuce. That's been made clear to us. Yeah, I mean, maybe the only, like, uh, whatever, harbinger of, of dread with the Knicks is just that we are going to spend, there's going to be a lot of battles over oh Vets my God. versus Young and 
any um, and Tibbs and and not playing this guy enough minutes and not playing that. I mean, we are gonna we're in for it pretty big time. Um, and any swoon, you know, anything with like Kemba and Derrick Rose, if they look old or you know, now we got these two kids who everybody wants to see. It's that there's gonna be a lot of that. Yeah, I already can't handle it. Yeah, <laughs> it just can't handle it like sims and taj for instance right like couldn't you see that becoming like a yes yeah or noel oh they should just play like sims forget noel <laughs> right right yeah. why aren't we playing more sims yeah, right yeah. and it's gonna it's gonna be because like you know like nothing like noel misses a defensive assignment once in like the third quarter of a game and it's gonna be like sims we need sims we're sims gotta have sims yeah, with the guards and like, um, oh, for sure. But the guards is gonna be brutal. On the other hand, you know, we've got all this depth now. Like, um, I mean, I mean, it really feels like the Knicks. Like, all of a sudden, as far as drafters, like, maybe drafted five good players in the two-year stretch. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, we're just well run now. Right, it's crazy. It really is. It really is. Yeah. I know, you know, we were thinking we were talking about Gettleman earlier, like when he came in and he kind of tried to thread this needle of like being good now and rebuilding. It's like the super hard thing to do. And like Leon Rose has, I mean, he's threaded it to perfection, you know? Right. No doubt about it. And again, it's a a good GM versus a terrible GM. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, like we've got this really great team that I like that's poised to compete and then you know, trade chips and really interesting young players who you're like, you know, I mean, by the time like a with Burks, when that third year is up, you know, I mean, could easily see Grimes being ready to fulfill that role. And, and, oh, or, and, and I think they're all going to be, they are all pieces you could put in trades now. Like, I mean, that's if Grimes isn't already all NBA by the time Burks is contract. Right. Is up. <laughs> Right. No, I mean, and, you know, McBride, I mean, I couldn't, you couldn't have asked for more from him. Um, again, his role is probably going to be in the most in question, but I mean, he's going to play because those guys, you know, Kemba's going to have rest nights. Derek Rose is going to have to rest nights. Like for sure. Yeah. Those guys are going to play. Right. Yeah, they are. And we're going to need them and we're going to have to do everything possible to keep their performances in perspective. Yeah, and I'm excited oh, about Obi. How, we're gonna need how do you feel about Obi? Like, I, I really like, I really Brian, like I'm, him. I'm committing to you right this moment. I am buying an Obi jersey before the season yeah. starts. I am so, I think of Obi as a son that I'm proud of. Right, right. Like, just, he was so bad. He was so terrible. He was so he bad. He was so bad. He I was know. a disgrace. <laughs> he was infuriating. Right. You know? And I think he's actually going to be good. And... I just respect the hell out of that kid. I know. I mean, I think there's a chance he's real good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I think people are really underestimating what we're capable of this year as as a team. Like, just the depth, like, the right pieces in place. I think the depth also buys us some cushion with Kemba and Derrick Rose. Like, we could weather a stretch without them. You'd ideally want them to be healthy for the for the playoffs, but, like, you know, we we we'll be able to weather injury stretches this year, I believe. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I'm a little my only like little hesitant worry about the Knicks is the defense. How much of a step back are we going to take defensively? 
Um, I do yeah. think the Bullock loss is going to be bigger than people realize. Um, and is the real? I really, you know, the only move that I would have done differently is considering they got the same contract. Um, you know, Bullocks and Burke. Bullocks and Bullock and Burks. Because Burks. Yeah. Given, I I understand the offensive versatility, but we've got those guys now, and I do think especially now seeing quickly in summer league, the way he can, his improvements kind of running a team. Like I think he could do that for stretches now. Um, I, I am, I am a little worried about the, the, the defensive drop down, but you know, only a little. And maybe the thinking is too, is that with a coach like Tibbs, he'll just somehow will us to not take too far a step back. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's very much true. And I think, uh, you know Mitchell Robinson back full time too. Like I mean, he looks huge. Did you see those photos of him? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, also, uh, in a little bit of a, a closing Knicks note here, I don't know if you saw, but Evan Fournier tweeted today that he's looking for a new Knicks podcast, and he's whittling down his list. He's looking for recommendations. You know, we're not a Knicks exclusive podcast, but we sure as hell do a lot of Knicks. So, Evan. The Giants Among Men podcast. We both are excited to, to have you, despite your Frenchness. Right. And we're on the radio. We're not, holding... we're not just a podcast. Yeah. This is a show. Right. You know. And we're not holding you being French against you. We're embracing it. Right. <laughs> so, you know. Right. I like the French. Yeah, I don't know. I like French food anyway. I don't, I don't know. Do you really? Sure. Look, what's, what's French food? Just fine dining, fine cuisine. <laughs> so sort of almost like a very fancy nancy-esque take on it that it's just yeah i mean it's you know I, I don't know how i would define it exactly but um you know like those french bistros in new york city uh, fantastic yeah yeah i went to a french bistro with you and your brothers one time and i spent probably two hundred dollars that i didn't have <laughs> <laughs> yes that'll happen yeah all right. Well, on that note, uh, we're about to wrap it up for the week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Radio Free Brooklyn.